What's going on, everybody? I'm C.W. Allen with my co-host, Jared Hammernick, and you are tuned in to The Switchback. Keep it locked. I just want to do God's will. Beloved community scripture, as well as race and identity. Climbing this mountain. This is your podcast. C.W. Allen, and you are back with us on The Switchback. What's up, Jared? What's going on, Doug? How you doing today? Man, it's good to be back in the building. I mean, I'm sick of being cold. Chicago getting on my nerves, eh? Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's about that time. Man. It's about time for spring. Bruh, like, I got warm climates popping up in my head every day. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to move to LA? Hey, La La Land might be calling me and LeBron. <laughs> so today we excited because we got some special guests with us. Um... As you know, we've been celebrating the ladies this month with Women's History Month, and uh, we want to talk to women who are creating history right now. And two uh, ladies that we have with us today, they're creating history, they're doing some big things, something that I don't think has been done before. So they're exciting. Their personalities work well together. It's just a fun bunch to have. So uh, yeah, we got uh, the beautiful, amazing, brown-skinned, Mocha Diva, my wife, Jacqueline Allen. <laughs> Wait a minute. I want to hear what my intro is going to be. And Gabby. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> and her amazing co-host, also another beautiful sister who loves uh, helping people and making things uh, straight and plain for you. Gabby is with us as well. What's up, ladies? How y'all doing? Hey, how are you? Thanks for inviting us. Oh, go ahead, Mocha Diva. (laughs) (laughs) I am doing great. Excited to be with you guys. Good, good. So uh, first of all, before we really get cracking into um, our interview and telling people about what you're going to do and what you're doing, uh, tell the people who you are a little bit. Hello again, everybody. My name is Jacqueline, CW's wife, as stated earlier. Super excited to be here with you guys to tell you a little bit about where I've come from. I grew up on the north side of Chicago. I'm the youngest of three sisters, all girls. My dad was pretty lucky in that regard. I grew up in a mixed family, so my mom is Puerto Rican, my father's black. My father used to be a Chicago police officer. He's currently retired. Um, Growing up, one major life event that impacted me becoming a clinician was that my parents had a bit of a rocky marriage at one point and my mom began to go to therapy and I remember just seeing her transform through therapy it was beautiful to watch Um, and it was cool to see how therapy can change one individual person but then impact a whole family unit so I remember knowing from an early age that I wanted to be a clinician. I wanted to be somebody who can impact families in that way. What about you, Gabby? So I am a middle child of five. So we grew up in a hundreds, <laughs> south side. <laughs> and I grew up in a two-parent home up until the fifth grade when we moved to Indianapolis. Both my parents were battling for my fifth grade year with a drug issue, a drug problem. Okay. But surprisingly enough, that situation really showed me the resiliency that was embedded and ingrained in us because neither one of them had to go to rehab. There was no intervention taken and they have been clean 
off of street drugs for wow. yeah oh, a so couple like, of dec- like decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So um yeah. No. My mom's a hippie. She's very much into weed, oh. but <laughs> this one, this was the stuff that you know the next level. So it was sure. crack. Yeah. Um and loud 8.0. right loud <laughs> three thousand. <laughs> So, um, seeing them again, just being able to overcome that addiction really showed me as angry as I was, like as an adult, showed me how much that you have within you or how much that your ancestors can put into you, like just recognizing the good and the positive even in the midst of something that was truly tragic because my mom decided to uproot us and move to Indianapolis, Mm. which is where I went to middle school and high school. Hated it. Oh my gosh. I promise they come from one set of parents. It's like everybody there. I am sure. Has they know that they come from one set of parents. (laughs) I don't think it's a secret. Um, I made some, I cannot take back the fact that I made some dope friends there though. Um, it was a very big pivotal moment in my life because at least though that comparison showed me what I missed and what I didn't like. Like I'm a city girl. I like things to be fast paced. I like being around people who are creatives. Like, um, Chicago just has that has so much culture and it's so vibrant Mm -hmm. and it's so lively. Like I wasn't getting that same energy and that was extremely important to me, which is why it took me a while to figure out, unlike Jackie, cause we talk about this, like she knew exactly what she wanted to do professionally at a younger age. For me, actually radio was my first stop um, I got my undergrad in radio and television production, and I worked for the radio station for almost a decade in mm-hmm. different outlets in the media. I remember doing 50 Cent Show, like the casting call that only mm-hmm. made, what, five episodes? Wow. But it was still super cool. Some adventures. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, nice, yeah. Nice. So, so how did you two meet? So I remember, so we basically went to the same master's program, and I remember just thinking that Gabby is so different from me. She's very loud and outspoken, and I'm much more like reserved and an introvert, kind of like a wallflower, and so I just recognized we were super, super different. After class the first day, we ended up reconnecting at a McDonald's right by the school. Yeah, I think I I may have dragged you there. (laughs) We need to talk. (laughs) And I just felt super, super comfortable with Gabby. So you can take it from there, Gabby. Wait, that's what you told me when we started dating. What? Well, I wasn't trying to... (laughs) I wasn't trying to cuff your girl. (laughs) Your mocha diva. I was not trying to cuff her. (laughs) That's cool. So met in in a master's program. Mm -hmm. Got to know each other a little bit. Um, Okay, so now you ladies are kind of on to a new endeavor... You, you developed this friendship and you decided, hey, we're passionate about this joint effort and making sure that mental health is or mental um, 
being mentally in shape is is something that you all uh, want to coin in black and brown communities. So tell us a little bit about the new endeavor that y'all stepping into. So just to kind of recap, so I do therapy at a high school called Collins High School, and I love watching YouTube. I don't know about you guys, but I'm constantly on YouTube, probably more than I watch TV. Yeah. And I quickly knew that there was a deficit in any sort of therapeutic resources for black and brown adolescents. Um, I always like incorporating things like that in counseling, and there was just nothing out there. It was all white people or very much... Um, white culture, if you can say. So sure. It was nothing that sounded like my clients and that okay. looks like my clients. And so we were taking a train ride. Where were we headed to? Oh, we went to the... Melanin and Mental Health. Yep. Meet and greet. We were meeting other therapists who were black and brown. And I remember turning to Gabby and just being like, have you ever thought about engaging media in this way, um, specifically uh, towards black and brown communities, talking about mental health, and being mentally in shape, and you had thought about it a little bit. No, actually, you triggered it, and I was like, <gasps> Jackie, I couldn't believe it because it was like Jackie's such an introvert, and it was such a great idea. And from there, we went into planning phase, what we would call our YouTube channel, what exactly. We would meet at Starbucks. Yes, we would meet at Starbucks. Dream and talk and hash through stuff. And it, it was like great and we're still in the creation phase but we are a lot further sure. and we both had to like explain to each other or share with each other through different situations a lot of it was through our different experiences at our internships why it was important to have this um for me i really didn't figure out again that I wanted to be a clinical counselor until my nephew was born in 2010 because I had never really connected or found someone that I was so passionate and in love with Mm -hmm. and it just so happened that at that same time I was teaching that after school matters program uh, radio logistics program and I was teaching predominantly oh yes I was teaching predominantly black Um, students from all across the city of Chicago Mm. and it's just like heartbreaking to think that some of those students are now in this world and they probably aren't flourishing because one young man never forget him he was extremely flamboyant he was extremely popular with everyone in the program he graduated early But what I was taken back by was that this young man really didn't read that well. And we did an exercise to incorporate and include, like, realistically what radio or the media looks like. So if you Mm -hmm. come in there, you'll know that you're not making a whole lot of money, especially at an Mm -hmm. entry level. So we did an exercise to ask the students what they would like to make a year. So his first reply was that he wanted to make $1,000 for the year, annually. Oh, oh my. $1,000. What, so he wanted to buy penny candy? No, because he didn't, he didn't understand. He didn't. I, yeah, I didn't. But, yeah, like, clearly he wanted to buy penny candy. And so the co-instructor at the time, he and I were, like, 
going back and forth talking about it. And he was like, no, you got to. He was like, do you know what a thousand dollars is? And he was like, yeah, I, I want to make a thousand dollars. Like saying it with certainty, mm-hmm. conviction. And he was like, no, you got to go higher than that. And then he was like, okay, two thousand dollars. And he was like, no, you got to go higher than that. So he finally settled on $10,000, like leaving him be at $10,000. But then it was a missed moment and opportunity. I went and told my friend who's a teacher. She was like, you should have broke down what $10,000 looks like per month. But I think we both, because this was the first time that either one of us was teaching, yeah, were kind of taken back at the disparity like the gap, mm-hmm. not understanding $10,000, you are like not even below the poverty line. I don't even yeah. think you at the poverty line. Like yeah. you're sitting yeah. at the lake somewhere. Right. Like yeah, that's struggle. you, you can't afford a home. You can't afford an apartment. You definitely not eating daily. Um, it was, it blew my mind. And to think like compare and contrast, that young man and my nephew just being born at the time, I was like, how can we wrap our arms around black, excuse me, black boys and girls in a way that they go out at least into the world where they feel they're mentally strong? Yeah. Because once you're not mentally strong, then everything else easily collapses. Mm-hmm. And what challenges or what compromises being mentally strong is not being equipped like intellectually. Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking about how this all interconnects and I'm like, I probably don't have the patience to be a teacher every day, but I do want to be able to help in a concrete way. So how can I mm-hmm. make that happen? Sure. So I really appreciate that story. Uh, and there's a lot in what you just said that I, that I, that I want to unpack. Uh, but before we get sort of down uh, those different rabbit trails, what I what it sounds like you guys are starting this new venture, uh, sort of on the side, not really the full time thing yet. But um, what does that look like? So so it sounds like there's a YouTube uh, channel potentially involved. Why did you decide on YouTube as as the right medium for this resource that you want to put out there? Uh, and then what can we expect, uh, you know, in the in the coming uh, weeks and months uh, from you? So I can definitely answer why YouTube. Literally all of my adolescents, all they do is watch YouTube. I mean, they're watching like slime videos and just random stuff. Even <laughs> so, <laughs> it's crazy. So I'm sorry, you said uh, adolescent, so it's strictly for high school age no, or what's kinda like this. the idea behind that? So at yeah. UCAN I work predominantly with adolescents, sure. but our YouTube channel will actually be for eighteen to thirty. And beyond beyond, so I'm like beyond the, honestly. So yeah. kinda like the college career age right. older mm-hmm. like that yeah. that group okay yeah okay. and our mission with this is basically just to display a periscope of possibilities to sustain and maintain your mental fitness okay so we're gonna do a variety of things um but yeah youtube is the platform that all these mm-hmm. people go to now it's actually watched more than tv in many occasions yeah so. well, it's the largest search engine in the world right. like larger than google now and i yeah. think google owns it but mm-hmm. you know as far as people looking for stuff youtube is where they go right it's crazy so i think it's a perfect just to piggyback off of jackie 
not only is it the perfect platform, but, and not, we don't start just at college age because it is these materials because we work specifically with high school students Mm -hmm. and we wanted to be able to be incorporated as a resource and show that therapy is not what people traditionally envision as therapy. Mm -hmm. It's not you sitting on the couch, spilling out your guts where it's one-sided. It's a very vulnerable um, situation where you feel like you're pouring out everything and not getting anything back. Mm -hmm. Like we want to be able to go on that journey with you to show you how, how you advocate for yourself, not only in mental health, but also like in health period, you have some people feeling so powerless that they won't speak up when they don't feel a connection with their therapist Mm -hmm. and believing that they have to stay. So either they stay and stay and be unhappy or they leave and stop therapy. Right. Some people don't realize that as, as a client, you are a consumer. So you Mm -hmm. have, you can be able to advocate for yourself. If you want a therapist that is black or if you want a therapist that's like this, 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 you're a consumer. You can advocate for those things. But a lot of people don't realize that. Okay. Mm-hmm. That that's a big thing, and that's a big that's a big um, step to getting more black and brown people to counseling. Yeah. So basically, we want to be like the gateway, mm-hmm. or the liaison, if you will, to show that therapy mm-hmm. can look and be whatever you want it to look and be. Right. Um, it's therapeutic just to laugh. Me and Jackie. Yeah, y'all do a lot of that. Because <laughs> we're in therapy. <laughs> respect yeah. our therapy. Yeah. Um, therapy. It's vibrant. It's not yes. Put some respect yeah. on my therapy. Exactly. Put some respect <laughs> on it, please. <laughs> Tree of it. Tree of Therapy can be exercising. Therapy can be um, poetry. Therapy mm. can be art. And therapy can can be talking it can be dialogue yeah. um a therapist is not therapy was where a therapist was the the person in power and the expert mm-hmm. and tells you and advises you on what to do yeah therapy is not or and should not be like that now and the reason that it's not and should not be like that is because it's problematic If you come to someone and they're always telling you how to do something or ways to go about it, if it doesn't work out what I tell you, then I'm no longer credible. Sure. But if it does work out, then you'll always be looking to me to tell you how to do things instead of being open to using your own mind. You have to be able to open up Pandora's box with emotions and critical thinking. Mm -hmm. It's combining that ability and us just being on that journey to help maybe be a compass if yeah. you will. Right. Yeah. And I think also another benefit of YouTube is it gets out to more people. Mm-hmm. I'm an introvert. Um, I don't know if Gabby mentioned that. Gabby's for sure an extrovert, but I'm an introvert. So I Shy. love I love one on one interactions and I love being able to influence a person. That's why I was drawn to therapy. Yeah. And just to share a little bit of my story, my mom went to therapy because my parents' marriage was really rough. 
mm-hmm. was really rocky for a season. And I saw her go to therapy and she became this different woman and it shook up our whole family unit. She went from kind of being a woman who didn't have a voice to being this woman that now spoke up for herself. And mm-hmm. so it was beautiful to see how therapy can change a person, but then change a whole family unit. And so I love being able to help in that way, but I'm super, super excited to do it through YouTube because it can get to a, a broader and a wider, it can have a wider reach yeah, than yeah. individual Sorry. therapy. So, so one one of the sort of phrases that, I'm, that I've heard you both throw out a couple of times that I've never heard before, and so I just want to ask, sort of where it comes from and why you're using the phrase, this idea of mental fitness mm-hmm. or almost like an exercise analogy is what I'm hearing and sort of how what you want to pursue is described. Uh, why would you use that language rather than mental health or some of some other uh, maybe more commonly used uh, mm-hmm. phrases that I've heard before uh, or, or that maybe many of our listeners have heard before? So like where does that come from and, and what's the purpose behind that? Because it seems very purposeful. <laughs> okay. So we use uh, mental fitness because it's a way to make it less intimidating. Uh, mental health uh, or going to get help around mental health can be a very intimidating process. Yeah. And the reason it can be, a ve- first of all, it's a very intimate and private process. Mm-hmm. When you talk about fitness, you have people talking about fitness, physical fitness all the time. I was just hearing y'all talking about going to play basketball, and I just wanted to know if y'all needed a third person. Yeah, I'm about because to tear Jerry's ankles up tonight. I'm a liar. I do tear up ankles, but that's not neither here nor there. But it's something that people feel more comfortable with talking about and then also gabby and i we're coming from the bent of so we're clinical case managers that you can so our sole job is to basically talk to adolescents in which therapy is super super stigmatized and to get them to buy into the process okay um so we do that with the violence intervention team but we found that using language like mental fitness or I always tell the kids, like tell the youth, um, people go to the gym to get mental, I mean, to get physically in shape. Mm-hmm. And so people go to therapy to get mentally in shape. Yeah. And it's just a bit less, it's less stigmatizing, honestly, um, when we use mental fitness and being mentally in shape. It's much easier to say I'm mentally out of shape than I have a mental illness. Um, it's just a bit easier. Yeah. Well, I know it's been a uh, life changing for me to have a wife who's a therapist because it forces me to think deeply about the way that I process life, but then also a lot of the the terminology I use and even like so <laughs> so like I'll notice the time I get frustrated and I'm like, that triggered me. I'm like, I ain't grow up saying no trigger. Unless <laughs> somebody's pulling the trigger, you know, it's just like it's it's just like little things that I've learned about myself even processing you know, having like mental fitness or developing that. And one thing that I thought was really um, interesting is how um, neurologists and even therapists talk about the brain having plasticity and, and being able to be shaped. Can you talk or speak to that a little bit? Sure. So that comes from, um, so basically trauma impacts our bodies, impacts our brains. Mm-hmm. And so define trauma real quick for our listeners. Sure, let me look up. So trauma is like any adverse event. Yes. Okay. So traumas can be small, they can be minor, mm-hmm. or they can be major. So it could be a direct trauma that happens directly to you, like abuse, 
or being shot or uh, indirect trauma where you see it mm-hmm. um, happening to someone else. So it's any adversive event that shifts the direction of your developmental growth. Yes, it literally changes your brain. So depending on where trauma is introduced, if it's mm-hmm. introduced in in crucial developmental time, so like zero to three, yeah. that can really change the trajectory of someone's brain. So there's um, different things that just naturally, innately, we have fight, flight, and freeze. Mm-hmm. And so when your brain experiences something super scary, it goes into one of those. So it prepares your body for action. But if you're experiencing a trauma for a prolonged period of time, literally your brain could be stuck on into responding to to that trauma. So it literally feels like you're still experiencing something that maybe you're not. And so plasticity is basically that you can change your brain back. Your brain, Mm -hmm. people used to think that your brain was fully developed and it never changed, but we have the ability to use things like mindfulness techniques and even therapy to readjust our brain. So let's say we're constantly, um, we all know those people who are constantly escalated and elevated and active. So those people that are constantly almost triggered, but you can say the smallest little thing and they react like crazy. Um, And they react like crazy. Um, But they can utilize different techniques to help their brain relax and not be stuck in that fight, flight, freeze response. Mm, That's good. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. So what happens, like, what what happens to a person when, through prolonged exposure to trauma, the brain gets stuck in one of those Mm -hmm. sort of primal responses? What like what are the symptoms in that person's life? What like how does that affect you? Uh, maybe before you seek out mm-hmm. sort of uh, a, a form of help, which would allow your brain through plasticity to heal. Okay, so so how it looks is there's something called a window of tolerance, and so a person could look hyper aroused, which looks like those people who are activated by very small things so maybe anger issues they're constantly lashing out but there's also another side that people don't talk a lot about and it's hypo arousal Mm -hmm. so those are people that look numb for anything so let's say you're talking Mm -hmm. to someone about the fact that their friend just got shot and killed and they have no expression so that is still their body and i should have corrected myself it's not just the brain it's the brain and body that is in the uh, fight flight freeze response but both of those so so people who are um experiencing prolonged exposure to, to trauma in early development, they'll have a very small window of tolerance, meaning they are triggered by a lot of stuff all throughout the day. Yeah, so what does it look like sort of in that person's life prior to them seeking help? What are, what are some of the effects on their life okay. of having the brain oh. in that state over time? Well, it can look like anything. It can look like a lot of stuff. Abs- like, actually, it depends on the person. And I think that's one thing that we digest in our channel which i don't think we ever said healthy hue hue. (laughs) we'll put it in the description okay so it can affect a lot yeah it can can affect sleep eating habits um it can affect coping mechanisms it can it can definitely be detrimental just to how you are able to manipulate and socialize Mm -hmm. like being able to be socially adaptable Mm -hmm. i think that is the most the biggest like red flag or signal Mm -hmm. now what does it look like before someone says like hey i think i'm ready to go to counseling or it's become too much 
sometimes, unfortunately, it never happens. Wow. Yeah. You have, in our community, you have people who have been deterred because counseling is only for crazy people. Right. Mm. I hear that all the time. And because if you come in from a religious family, sometimes if you come in from a religious family, you just have to pray it out. Mm. Not realizing that although it's nothing wrong with praying in addition to it, say for instance, you're in a household that's deeply religious but you have no way of expressing yourself mm-hmm. because in this household, the values are shaped upon your child, you're seen, not heard. Mm-hmm. So you operate or try to operate in that world. Praying about it is still not giving you a voice. Right. Right. And that's why I think your question, Jared, is great, a great segue into what we're trying to do at Healthy Hue because in, in communities like ours, in, in a lot of black communities, yeah. readiness for therapy is like, it's it's there's so much opposition there, mm. if I could be honest. Me and Gabby actually had a focus group with some of our friends, and there was just so many stories of just the opposition of why therapy was not an option. Or even if um, one of our friends did go to therapy, it was from someone that maybe didn't look like them, and right. it just wasn't a good experience. And so we want to be that liaison. Okay. So um, it, it sounds like maybe, certainly, I'm thinking about our community of Woodlawn. There are a lot of folks who have experienced trauma over time, which has influenced their, their brain substantially, from what I'm hearing. But there's also a stigma uh, against pursuing help for that ingrained trauma. So I think I have a two-part question. The first is, where does that stigma come from? Uh, why is that? Why does that stigma exist, in your opinion? Mm-hmm. And then, secondly, what does it look like to destigmatize okay. uh, mental fitness? Yeah. I think- <laughs> so that is a great question. Um, so for the first part of the question, I quickly thought about the fact that it's legitimate. It's a legitimate fear um, because systems were, frankly, just not set up for communities like ours and for Black people to succeed. So there's this thought of why go to somebody who probably doesn't even look like me to get this diagnosis that isn't even going to Mm -hmm. help me in the end Um, people are going to be looking at me like oh wow you have this I might not even be able to get a job so it's going to negatively affect me so Mm -hmm. why would somebody choose to partake in something like that absolutely and you have to remember these same systems that are put in place that are supposed to help people have exploited and taken advantage of black people for a long time. Mm -hmm. We know about the syphilis experiment that went on for decades. Um, We know about the, um, the black women that were being experimented on, their genitalia being experimented on and not receiving any anesthesia or anesthetics Mm -hmm. because there was, a a belief that black women didn't feel pain Mm -hmm. and how that still is prevalent today. You still have very big disparities when it comes to race in the medical room, in the emergency room. Like That's so crazy you say that because we just had a, a young lady on who was talking about 
uh, black women in healthcare, and her mom was misdiagnosed, and they missed mm. her lupus for a while. Mm. And, uh, and it's you're just pretty interesting. Oh yeah, so I have a, a eye disease called keratoconus, and basically what happened is I went to LensCrafter, EyeMaster, all of big name when I first started wearing glasses. And uh, they all told me, hey, it's just a lazy eye or stigmatism. And for a second, I thought about getting like the surgery to fix it. And I had an eye disease that changed my, uh, it would change my, the side, the shape of my, my cornea. And um, Diagnosed by a black. And when, uh, yeah, when I doctor. went to a, a black eye doctor for the first time, she was like, oh, honey, you have keratoconus. This is common in black and some Asian communities. And she said, but you, they typically wouldn't catch it or even look for it in a you know in a predominantly white practice if i'd have had that surgery i'd have went blind oh my gosh yeah. I, I have an even crazier story than that i was an americorps member and we were talking about disparities when it came to health care and a friend of mine who lives right here in woodlawn um was having issues sleeping she couldn't get good a good night's rest she wasn't sleeping well at all she went to several different doctors. The doctor told her, blew my mind, you must have diabetes or high blood pressure because mm. everyone around here that looks like you does. Oh. Mm. Not even thinking to consider, like, if it's something dealing with sleeping, why not address something? Sure, sure. But, again, to piggyback off of what Jackie mm. said, it's very, it, it's still very stigmatized because the stigmatism is still very valid. It's still very big issues that as a black person or as a brown person, we are still coming up against Yeah. when trying just to get quality care mm -hmm. and know what's wrong and what's going on with us. Mm -hmm. um, so it's very unfortunate, but our way of trying to, destigmatize it is and the reason another reason piggyback into your earlier question of why YouTube YouTube is something that you can watch privately it's a very intimate interaction and because we know that mental health excuse me health at any level mental physical or spiritual is usually very private for people mm -hmm. so if you feel comfortable enough with looking at our YouTube channel, Healthy Hue, for in 10-minute increments just to get comfortable and used to the ideal of therapy looking like something that maybe you didn't think it would look like, then we will be willing to meet you where you are yeah. so you can get the help that you need. That's in addition dope. to adding resources with black and brown therapists where people would feel comfortable going to them mm -hmm. because, again, <clears throat> the sting um, in diagnosis, which is why as a clinical counselor, you have to be extremely careful with this. And people have found a way to exploit and take advantage of it, not not the patients, but the practitioners, where now if you don't take your medication, it can compromise your government check. Wow. You can be cut off. You can be um, involuntarily uh, locked up. So you think about it 
as clinicians, we have a lot of power. And as doctors, mm. even more power. But if you have a person who doesn't have the best intention, yeah. they can use that power, diagnose you with anything. And have you taken medicine. And have them. you taken medicine. Wow. And it may not even be prevalent. Not even realizing that sometimes the medication is what is causing the symptoms. Literally having somebody puppeteering in the background saying like, hey, if this person doesn't take it, oh, they get SSI? Oh, they get SSD? We're going to cut them off. Yeah. So how how do you, knowing that the the, uh drug administration is such a big business now right like i i know there's a place for for having medicine and and drugs to help people turn the receptors on and off as needed or whatnot but how how do you all process process that knowing things like that but then also it do you think a lot about natural ways to do it outside of medicine or like how does that play into you two's you know uh future practicing and things like that well first of all i just want to say i am not a psychiatrist sure um but to gabby's point that would be super super irresponsible of a clinician to diagnose something as serious as schizophrenia with just one visit so i would hope i mean i'm sure stuff crazy has happened yeah but that would be super super irresponsible um but yes, I always think of medication as a last resort. Mm-hmm. I, I'm some I'm not someone who has a bent against medication because I've seen it be really helpful at times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I see medication as a last resort. There's other things that you can do to incorporate, but sometimes people's body chemistries simply just mm-hmm. make too much of certain neurotransmitters. Sure. And so there's not there's no shame in taking medication that's all i want to add right um because i know people who literally their body just makes too much serotonin and dopamine Mm. and it causes hallucinations and them to hear thoughts yeah and taking this medication literally just blocks off receptors and allows that um allows the different neurotransmitters that they make too much of to lessen in their body Mm. so i think it could be helpful but always a last minute resort you don't want to ever prescribe medication right off yeah. Right from the yeah. start. You don't want to do that. But. Mm. And our approach is very, coming from a very holistic, yeah. natural standpoint, sure. stance. Sometimes we don't realize that we have all this energy and we have, um, our hormones are out of whack because we aren't exerting any energy. Like, we aren't exercising. Right. When What's your diet like? Yes. <laughs> when I'm anxious, I know I will be on the phone and tell my friends like, okay, I need to do the stairs. Mm-hmm. After doing the stairs, like about 10 times, it automatically puts me back at equilibrium. Mm-hmm. So there is things like that that you can do exercise for sure. Yeah. Exercising, eating healthy. sleeping, eating healthy, having outlets, having a good quality village, mm-hmm. people around you who will support you and love on you, who will teach you how to operate and navigate healthy relationships there are several things that you can do outside of just, you know, gluck, 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 gluck. That's a pill bottle. Cause I, Even spirituality. Yeah. Spirituality yeah. is super awesome for your mental health. Yeah. Laughing, Absolutely. humor, all that. Laughing, definitely. My professor told me this, that there was a experiment that was done by this famous um, uh, behavior analyst 
who said that she treated her depression by saying 50 affirmations about herself in a minute. Mm. 50 affirmations. And you think about how hard it may be for somebody to say, that was me. (laughs) How hard it may be for somebody, because I tried it. I was like 50 things about myself. She was on her second marriage. Wow. And she was really battling symptoms of depression. But saying those 50 affirmations in a minute, doing it daily on a routine, addressed her depression. Because it's a reminder for you that no matter, excuse me, what situation that may be unfavorable, what decision that you made that may not be the may may not have been the right one. The reality is is that there's just a small piece of you. There's yeah. so much more of you. There are fifty things then some. Mm-hmm. But recognizing that you are so much more than this indiscretion. Right. Right. And that just shows even the the power on words, right? Like forming a person's character and being like, you know, as we think about, like, even the Bible, how God speaks to his children a certain way to empower and encourage them to be everything that he made them to be. But then even the way that you talk to your children as you raise them and it's just all so connected. And it's amazing how uh, words can have such a strong impact on our mental fitness. Mm-hmm. It's a big, big part of it. Yeah. So when you think about um, sort of the it, it sounds like. To me, as I'm listening, it sounds like a lot of the impetus behind wanting this YouTube channel and wanting to reach out to individuals is you, is you want to have an impact on individuals uh, where they're at in a very sort of um, uh, private way. It's sort of them and their cell phone watching YouTube video. Uh, how do you balance that with also trying to maybe undermine the broader cultural assumption that mental health or men- mental fitness uh, is only for the quote-unquote weak uh, or the mm. quote-unquote crazy uh, how do you, how do you, what do you think about that balance of trying to help the individual where they're at, but also trying to change the broader cultural, uh, outlook on mental health as a, or mental fitness as a, uh, sort of as a whole. Right. And I love that question because it's kind of seeing the whole culture as kind of our client in a way. And I think a big thing is the guests that we're going to have on the show. Um, one thing that me and Gabby want to portray is that you can, you can be quote unquote successful mm. and still be mentally out of shape. Even ourselves, right? Me and Gabby, we go through stuff together. Um, I think, I mean, I haven't been diagnosed with anxiety, but I definitely experience a lot of oh, anxiety. Oh, you all see D-cuz. Wow. We all have our stuff. <laughs> um, and so I think it's just, I think it's going to be subtly throughout our videos by who we invite on the yeah. channel. We want to have a very diverse group of people mm-hmm. um, and just sort of changing the view of what it looks to be mentally out of shape. Like we all are mentally yeah. out of shape mm-hmm. um, during certain parts of our life. So And normalizing that. Yeah. I think There's we a did an event this weekend where we had the group do a, um, what is it called? icebreaker there we go the group did an icebreaker where they made superheroes but like practical superheroes Mm -hmm. so one of your superhero powers which i would love is to be able to balance your budget where you had some money left super Mm. power (laughs) because i'm always broke so (laughs) i would love that superpower 
Uh, so, in that, after they explained, like, what their superhero was, their practical superhero, how they identified and related to that superhero and why, like, Jackie closed with, you know, being a superhero all the time is great, but even if you're not, it's also a superpower and being a superhero when you are working through. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, I was saying I think it's strong to actually face your pain. Because yeah. sometimes mm-hmm. it's so much easier to just avoid the pain or to just portray yourself like you're super strong. But we want to display through our videos that it's actually really, really strong yeah. to to turn towards your pain mm-hmm. and, and look at it and face some stuff that it would be easier to avoid. That is great you said that. You know, as I've been a big superhero guy, as you all know, I, I think about like some of my favorite superheroes. And, you know, two examples that I can think of off the top is... Um, one is Logan Wolverine, right? He's like My this great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you can have him because I have um, what's his name from Wakanda? T'Challa. Yeah, that's my name. I'm, I have the the villain. Oh, oh you, you got Killmonger? Killmonger? Yes. Hey, Auntie. <laughs> so you you know you think about Wolverine and how great his character is, right? Like he has these mental issues he's going through. The whole Chronicle of X-Men is him struggling with how he got his powers, losing his first wife, uh, just living super long, not aging, and experiencing a lot of violence and trauma, but he's still a hero, and he's working through it, right? Mm-hmm. Or Jesus, right, in the garden, and, you know, as you read this, the narrative in the garden of Gethsemane, he's, like, battling not my will, but yours be done. And it's like, there's this scientific thing that happened, uh, hemodrosis, where he's actually bleeding blood. Uh, like it's a medical thing that happens when you're under heavy anxiety. So like he's there and he's bleeding blood. He's, he's struggling in his humanity, but he gets the job done. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I, I think it's just beautiful that even the most perfect of perfect persons you could think of, but the most jacked up of superheroes we all have this like mental exercise that we're going mm-hmm. through and trying to figure things out right mm-hmm. yeah, that so that actually sparks an interesting question for me what would what would the two of you as folks in the mental fitness industry what would you say to uh, maybe some of our listeners who may be feeling like you know, I've, I've never really felt like this was for me, uh, but I, you know, I, I do struggle with anxiety from time to time or, or maybe depression or uh, maybe folks who, after hearing some of this conversation, feel like maybe I'm not in as great of mental shape as I'd like to be. Uh, what sort of, what would be your thoughts to, to that, uh, to that person? I think first and foremost is you are enough and there is absolutely no shame in wherever you are. And also, if you are afraid to walk this journey alone, to link up with someone who you feel confident and comfortable with walking this journey with, until you feel like you are equipped enough on your own to continue um, individually. But that, for first and foremost, you are enough. And you are, it doesn't make you any less because right now you don't feel where you are, where you mentally want to be because we all have those times where our mental fitness is challenged. 
Sometimes we don't get to go to the gym. We fall off the bandwagon. And sometimes we don't get to give our brains the mental rest that it needs. We fall off the bandwagon. And just like you have to tell yourself, man, I got to do something before I gain another pound. Do something before your brain and your functioning completely goes down. Yeah, and I would just echo what what Gabby said um, to any listeners who may be struggling First, I want to say thank you so much for listening to my husband's podcast. Continue to be a hey, supporter. Hey. Um, no, come I'm just to show him buy some merch. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I would just say I would definitely just echo what Gabby said that that you are enough, mm-hmm. and that I think it's super super brave to even just acknowledge that you're not okay. Yeah. Um, and definitely talk to someone that you trust, um, who cares about you, and sometimes even just talking about it is helpful. Mm-hmm. And then once you're ready. Um, maybe even check out Healthy Hue once we have yeah. videos up. Check out Healthy Hue. <laughs> even if you good. It's not a suggestion. <laughs> yes. This is a command, people. Right. Check out Healthy Hue. Right. Um, but yeah, that you are totally enough and yeah. and just figure out different friends that you trust, um, mm-hmm. who's in your corner, what community do you have, and then maybe if you are ready, um, think through how you can see somebody see a counselor yeah talk to them and don't stop i want to emphasize that like don't stop when you're doing well we all need tune-ups but don't stop if you come across a barrier because there are Mm. are we going to be totally honest there are barriers and challenges in getting a counselor there are barriers and challenges in getting the counselor that you may want and identify with right you might have to go through a couple people because the relationship Mm. is so huge so if that's not that chemistry is not there you might have to go through some people but there is absolutely no shame in counseling like i literally Mm. think everyone needs that space i would agree um yeah so uh it's not my guess is that as uh practitioners in your day job you come across you deal with folks who who express a lot of trauma and you help them work through that Uh, and my guess is that you yourselves are not immune to the effects of trauma on your own lives so what are some of the things, what are some of the practices that you have in place to keep yourself healthy mm-hmm. as you uh, help others on that journey towards uh, wholeness? Well, during the day, um, because right now me and Jackie are working at the same location, we spend a lot of time laughing, a whole <laughs> lot of time laughing and interrupting the office, which not shamed about it at all. Um And another thing, like, we're both very intentional about self-care. So in the process of also doing Healthy Q, we check in with each other. If one is tired, then the other respects that. We we very much respect that. And like I said, for me, if I'm extremely filled with anxiety, like, to the point that it's high, it's intense, I hit the stairs. Like, once I hit the stairs, run the stairs about 10 or 12 times, I immediately feel myself coming back down to equilibrium. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it, it means that um, I don't, I'm not lashing out. Um, I'm being able to think through things better. Um, able just to be better and better for the people that I care about and love. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like this question, and I feel like I keep saying that to all your questions, Jared. But <laughs> he's a he's um, a good question. Yeah, that was a great, great question. Thought provoking. Did you interview? <laughs> <laughs> Once 
Um, but I hear very sad stories throughout my day. Um, just things that you that I, I wish would never happen to a child, an adolescent. So it's really, really sad. So some things that I do to take care of myself, um, I meditate. I've been meditating, and I know that has its like own stigma around it but meditating really helps me because it just allows my brain to turn off my brain is constantly thinking and overactive and it allows me to practice like giving my brain a break which me and Gabby are very big about but yeah so I meditate I would say spending time in my word is very helpful what do you mean your word the bible okay yeah so spending time in the bible is really helpful Mm -hmm. and then um date nights with my husband is great well hey needs to increase no I'm just kidding (laughs) um but yeah (laughs) just really shot me up um yeah date nights with CW is helpful I even people that are life-giving, like I'm constantly assessing what mm. relationships in my life are life-giving and like how can I spend more time with those people. Mm. And then time with my parents is really life-giving to me. We just crack up. Um, what else do I do? Even like hot baths, hot showers. A lot of YouTube. YouTube. Rubbing huh? the cats. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just whatever is life-giving to me, I will add to my life to take care of myself. And it, as you heard, we gave very different answers as to what's therapeutic for us and that's what we want to share and showcase and Mm -hmm. give therapy for you may not fit for me Mm -hmm. and that's okay like I didn't hear Jackie say my name once and that was (laughs) I don't know if we're going to be able to continue after this it's over it's over you are a life giving for me oh thank you Wow. Get, get it corrected. <laughs> you back in, but um, no, it's it's um very different for us. With some of therapy, some therapy techniques are similar, but we gave very different answers. What our primary go tos are, and therapy again, what we emphasize is that it doesn't have to look the same your therapy what works for you doesn't have to work for me and there's no shame in it it's all about just getting you back to equilibrium without putting things in your body that will further compromise you sure Mm, that's good so uh thank you ladies first of all for being on here the switchback is glad to have you thank you so, uh, as we wrap it up, I know Healthy Hue isn't out yet, but when do you plan on start putting out content? And is there already a place where people can kind of like like or subscribe what you're doing as you get ready to release content? So, there will be. We have promos coming out very soon. We have two promos finished. But we, all we can say is stay tuned, and when we do have it, you guys will promote it here. We definitely, we definitely. <laughs> All right. <laughs> she gave me the evil eye too. Like y'all gonna promote it here? That wasn't a question. <laughs> definitely wasn't. A, definitely wasn't. No, a it wasn't like y'all gonna promote it here. It's like y'all gonna promote it here, right? I know where you live. Don't make me come back. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up. Well, uh, thank you all for continuing to listen. We just finished Women's History Month. Exciting time, man. Man, this has been great. I've learned, I feel like I've learned a lot. Oh my gosh, the ladies have showed up and showed out. Yes, we I don't think we've had a guy guest yet. I mean, we're both dudes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's... There's a lot. There's a lot that can be learned, yeah. um, particularly when 
those of us who tend to have voices that are louder, mm-hmm. just shut up. Yep. I agree. It's yeah. time to just shut up and listen. Wow. Yeah, that's what's up. So thank you all for listening with us. And as always, continue to give us your suggestions of uh, people or topics that you want us to talk about. We listen to that. Thank you for your comments. We're looking at those as well. We appreciate the comments, the critiques, all of it. Once again, I'm C.W. Allen with my co-host, Jared Hammernick. And this is the switchback. We holler. I just want to do God's will. Beloved community scripture, as well as race and identity. Climbing this mountain. This is your podcast. My